welcome to the Far Shore. I'm James. Hey, I'm Andy. It's nice to see you guys again. Yeah, thank you for tuning back in. Well done. <laughs> Congratulations. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah, I think we say that every time. Hopefully, I mean, are we getting are we getting better, Andy? I have no idea. You know, I haven't even listened to the last podcast yet. I'm I'm even slipping behind. So I can, you know, I, I'm sure lots of other people are slipping behind as well. We need to I need to get my act together again. It is really difficult to listen to yourself back on podcast. There is something slightly yeah. cringy about listening to yourself, hearing all the t- all those breaks in conversation, uh, listening to your ers and ums. It is it is quite difficult <laughs> to, to listen to. And I think it's, you know, and I need to say again, congratulations, James, because for, for a little insight to the backstages of Call to the Far Shore here for our listeners is that it is James who does all of the editing. And so, you know, I just have to rock up on whatever day we're going to do it and we just have a conversation. And then poor James will probably have to listen to it about four times or more to take out all of the, the rubbish that we speak and try and come out with some kind of thing that makes sense. So well done, James. I just thought I'd affirm you publicly. Like oh, thanks, Andy. Public affirmation. That's a that's a great love language right there. Yeah, it is. How many times do you actually re-listen to the podcast Ooh. to edit it? Probably by the time it's fully edited, I've probably listened to it all the way through maybe two or three times. Wow. It depends. It depends on the week. It depends on how well you and I have done at staying on topic and how many times we don't mess up or totally forget what we're saying. So so I should send a picture. I should put a poster picture on Instagram sometime of some of the weeks, just how many cuts there are. You know, some weeks weeks we record it and it's great. uh, And some weeks there's maybe. 25 35 cuts in the audio (laughs) but we're still working on it i've had some good advice this week from some of our listeners on trying to improve the audio and the volume and some of the things we're trying to do on and my wife actually she she was a communications major and that's what she did so she's been trying to coach me a little bit on filling our empty spaces with better things than uh and um and lip smack so we'll see we'll see how we do <laughs> well, it i could i i could fill it in with liturgical dancing or some other thing but probably need audio don't we so yeah did you work. say liturgical dancing oh yeah it's uh it's a thing it I is think. a thing what is liturgical <laughs> dancing it sounds like a detergent i don't uh, what is liturgical yeah, isn't, it, isn't it what we used to do like well what we used to do in the 70s i wasn't around in the 70s but what what people did in charismatic circles, then this is what, what, what they did. Liturgical like dancing. Some, some dancing, yeah, in worship. We gonna, can express, I'm gonna have express to our love to the Lord through through the medium of dance and prophesy. You're going to have to Google this. <laughs> Are you Googling it? Just be I careful. Googling it. Yeah, I'm Googling it. So, interesting. Yeah, well, no, you're right. No, it's it's... A Christian form of prayer and worship through bodily movement. So never heard it called liturgical dancing before. Interesting. Um, <laughs> and I've never participated in it too. So there was, <laughs> I, don't there was you ever, I don't think you ever would like to. Probably not. Well, you know, I do I don't mind a don't mind a, a dance every now and again, but um I think liturgical dancing is uh maybe beyond my skill set <laughs> hey but we might have some listeners 
who who are really into this and we affirm you and your place in the body of Christ and 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 of your worship it's great don't don't listen to this cynic over here so <laughs> I, I worship I worship in the truly British style which is on the back row with my hands folded or firmly dug into my pockets so yeah 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 maybe right. maybe maybe a toe tap um just to you know show that I'm getting into it so definitely no clapping though a sway a, a bit of a, a sway, sway. <laughs> a, a sway that's why a, a sway is pretty good oh, oh yeah. yeah that's right that's, a sway is too much that sway is probably too much so <laughs> we should we should do a part shouldn't we on, on worship and yeah that would be an interesting one expressions expressions yeah that would be a very interesting one but today uh today we're going to be talking about fatherhood so Yay. or being a dad um so and both of us had the chance to record our kids and we asked our kids some questions um and uh you guys are going to get to listen to what our kids think of us as dads so here it is hello my name is sophia and what i like about my daddy is when he gives me cuddles and the thing i don't like about him is when he leaves me at school my name is julia and the only thing i like about my daddy is when I hurt myself and he, and he gives me cuddles. And the only thing I don't like when he, when is this. Get away, Julia! My name is Zoe, and um, one thing I like about my dad is when I've had like a tough day, and then he comes and he like cheers me up. And the thing I don't like about my dad is when he loses his temper. My name is Mikan. I like my dad when he plays with me. I don't like it when he doesn't drink coffee because he gets really grumpy. So, Andy, I always joke with people that are getting married for the first time. I always say you don't realize how selfish you are until you get married. Um, you might think you're a really <laughs> selfless kind of person, and then you get married and very quickly you find out how selfish you are. And then I mm -hmm. tell married couples, I'm like, when you get married, you kind of work on that selfishness. You learn to live for the other person, put them first. You think you're doing okay. And then you have kids and there's this new <laughs> level of selfishness that you never realized you had before. Uh, anyway, that was definitely, that was definitely my experience of, of getting married and becoming a dad. I, I don't know if you <laughs> agree with that. Oh, for sure. And even now with kids, it's like sometimes you're just wanting bedtime to come because then at least you get a few time, a few moments on your on your own to do something that you want to watch, not just watch cartoons or whatever it is on the TV. I, you know, I want to watch, you know, a, a, a 12 rated movie or something like that. <laughs> well, I want to have a go at a video game, not just playing Aladdin or whatever the kids are playing on the video game. I want to have a go. Yeah, and play Undercooked with my friend James over the internet. Oh, that's right. That's right. So how did you, when did you first find out that you were going to be a dad? Oh, okay. Well, well, so me and Rosie had a miscarriage the first time around. So that's another, another pod there. Um, so when we actually found out about Sophia, it was a little bit 
tinged with a bit of nervousness because we're thinking, oh no, is this, you know, are we going to, is this going to be real this time or is, or is it not? Um, and so I remember we went for an early scan this time just to really make sure. So I think like at eight or nine weeks or something, or even perhaps beforehand, we went for a private scan and you can't see anything except a little blob. Uh, but apparently that blob was 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 okay, and it's like oh brill, you know we have, you know this, this is going to happen this time, and oh I was I was over the moon, I really was. It was um, a mixture of of being terrified, and to think that this thing growing inside my wife will completely change my life for the rest of my life. This is it. This thing inside of my wife. Um, and so that was a pretty, pretty crazy, crazy time. But how was it for you when you found out? Yeah, well, I don't know how much we can, uh, being brutally honest on the podcast here, that so my firstborn Zoe was a 1% baby. She was unplanned. Oh, right. I was trying to, I was trying to work out what is a 1% what baby. What is a 1% baby? A 1% baby is a baby that you are not planning to have. So... <laughs> <laughs> and actively so working against having so she was definitely a surprise uh we didn't know uh that megan was pregnant until we we're about 12 weeks into the pregnancy uh wow. and similarly you know we had at the beginning there was some fear and there was some early scans and things like that too um but yeah the the pregnancy went great um i remember that kind of excitement and like you say that just recognition that everything was going to change but you're not quite sure how um right. this side of things you're like oh yeah i can tell you how much change it is <laughs> it's, um and it's unbelievable and then yeah when zoe was born it was funny we had a pretty well i didn't but megan had a pretty traumatic birth and i guess i had a trauma as a husband and watching my wife go yeah. through that as someone that you love uh, and I remember when I was handed Zoe to hold for the first time, I remember being tearful and kind of mm. like couldn't say anything. And I remember the yeah. nurses at the time were like, oh, isn't that sweet? Isn't that cute? He just he can't say anything, you know, and it was nothing <laughs> to do with Zoe being born. It was just this sense of relief that my wife had survived at that time. Wow. So, you know, because at the time, like Zoe was, yeah, she was this baby, but I didn't know Zoe, you know, at that time. I yeah. think it's just more, yeah. it'd been such a traumatic day uh, yeah. that it was, you know. But then, uh, yeah, I remember from that day forwards, yeah, life was inexplicably changed. Um, yeah. And I know for me, uh, I, you know, as you know, I became a stay-at-home dad. Um, so, Megan, it's crazy the way that pregnancy and maternity leave is done here in the States. Um, Megan got yeah. two weeks, two weeks of maternity leave. Uh, Crazy, right? Insane. So after two weeks, unbelievably, after a traumatic birth, she was back at work. And I remember even more vividly that first day that she went back holding a two week old baby in my arms and being like, what have I got myself into? <laughs> I, I seriously cannot even imagine how you survived it, really, because because those very early, you know, days and weeks, um, obviously the dad has had a role. You know, I tried to to do what I could, um, but uh, but Rosie was breastfeeding, and so you know that bit unfortunately I cannot help out with. 
Um, and so quite often my role was just to pick up the baby and, and hand, hand her to, to Rosie. Yeah, because Rose had had the good stuff that I didn't have. I know the amount of times I looked up male lactation, Andy was was quite impressive during those first few months. <laughs> <laughs> so no, it was it was a really it was a really stressful time. Uh, I did lots of runs to the hospital, um, so mm. that Megan could feed Zoe. Um, wow! While she was on shift, we'd meet in the back call room, and she'd feed Zoe. Then I take her home again. Um, it's like a, you know, it's like a naughty. It feels like a bit naughty, doesn't it? It's like you're you're you're, you're meeting, you know, secretly and <laughs> secretly at work to do something. Yeah, uh, and then yeah. Megan did a great job of pumping and you know, and it was it was a it was a challenge. It it really was a challenge too. I, but at the same time, in life, you have these challenging seasons, and I think up until the point I've been a dad, I. And not in an arrogant way. I just hadn't found any kind of job or anything really that difficult. Like academics came quite easy to me. Engineering came quite easy to me. Um, I had the ability to make friends and to build relationships. So I, I hadn't really struggled in a job or in a work setting. Um, but all of a sudden, there was something that I wasn't innately or naturally good at. There's something I actually had to work on. Um and I think for me, it was a really humbling experience and definitely changed me and altered me. Um, I think Megan always says, you know, I guess in, in a negative way, I think up until that point, I was a little bit laid back. Uh, definitely, I became a lot less laid back during that year. Um, but at the same time, I think there was just a, just a reality check, a reality check on what's mm. important, on, on working yeah. hard, um, you know, of, of being on all the time and and someone needing yeah. you all the time too yeah. um so it, it's funny Andy. i think it leads into kind of some of the stuff we were going to talk about in terms of being a kind of christian dad today um mm. my experience at the beginning was was really hard being a stay-at-home dad because what made that first year really challenging is we were actually at a church at the time and um i don't think i've have i i don't think i've told you this story but uh we were put under church discipline uh, for me being a stay-at-home dad. Really? I don't That's know if crazy I've ever... because it's not... No, you haven't told me this story. This sounds like a good one. Well, um... yeah, and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll be, be careful um, in what I say, um, but basically the church we were going to at the time had a very strong view on what it was to be a man and a Christian man and the roles that men and women should play in the family. Right. So when we had Zoe unexpectedly, um, we had talked about it for a long time and we decided that the best thing to do was for me to stay at home. Uh, Megan was finishing her last year of training. Uh, we knew it was going to be tough, but that was kind of the decision that we made. Um, mm. Anyway, the church kind of got wind of this. I was a leader in the church at the time and they called us in to meet with one of the elders of the church. Uh, and basically told us that this wasn't okay and that I was being a bad example, a bad model to other men in the church, and that a man's primary responsibility uh, was to provide for his family. Um, so it's funny, it was, they had a real problem with me me staying at home. And I, I think to this day, I, I laugh at it because I'm like any mum who's listening to this or listens to that story, um, knows kind of how offensive that is because it was really coming from a heart 
of being like, oh, if you stay at home, it's kind of a lesser responsibility yeah. or less a job or a less hard job or you're being slacker or being lazy uh, I think anyone that's actually uh, spent any time taking care of kids and especially young yeah. kids and babies knows that that's total nonsense so anyway yeah. that's really really distressing for our first year because you know we were still young kind of um, young adults parents for the first time still working stuff out and it was the first time ever I've been in trouble I've been in trouble with the church mm. and like so it was kind of a big deal and it really rocked the boat um for that first year especially made me feel really isolated and maybe question a lot like am i doing the right thing uh, as a dad and like you don't even you don't even no no one got time for that kind of thing because even you know in the first first months and 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 even the year of, of of a baby being born no one has any idea what they're doing they don't come with an instruction manual and you're already going through a natural type of oh my word am i up to this challenge and then to have your church which is supposed to be a place of support then also add on that pressure of of making you question whether you're doing something which is correct and christian that's 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 awful and also to even kind of uh hint in any way that you were not providing for your family by actually taking care of your children so that your wife can also get some money in <laughs> that's that's exactly the definition of providing for your family and a leader if we're going to take their you know their idea of the man is the head and is a leader then obviously a leader is a sacrificial leader i yeah. sacrifice yeah. myself for the good of my family yeah and so even and it, yeah. even from their point of view it doesn't make sense so anyway yeah I think you know for me yeah for me the key passage that's been with me since before we got married and came to my mind during that time then uh, was in Ephesians where it talks about it's a very controversial chapter it talks about kind of the role of men and women but it's it's controversial because I don't think people read it in the context of which it's written but there's this part where it talks to the husbands and it says husbands love your wives as christ loved the church and gave himself up for her and i always think that passage is a terrifying passage if you are Mm. about to get married um it's a terrifying passage because it is telling you your role and responsibility as a leader it's saying be like jesus and do what jesus did for the church now when we use church there we're talking about all believers all time and what did jesus do he sacrificed his status he sacrificed his position and ultimately he sacrificed his life so he put the church he put everyone before himself until the point that he died to and that's what that verse is asking husbands to do i think oftentimes a really difficult question to ask yourself as a husband is what have you sacrificed for your wife and for your family how have you put them first Sometimes putting them first is being the one that goes to work. Um, mm. Sometimes that is how you um, how you sacrifice to them. Um, but yeah. other times, you know, it's I think one of the things I've noticed as being a stay at home dad is, you know, I have a PhD in engineering. I was a teacher. I could have gone and done things. And I think mm. sometimes there is this uh, over the years there have been people that have questioned whether or not it was the right decision um but being like no you know i i that stuff doesn't matter in Mm. in comparison to to serving my family 
in in this way too. So yeah, um, yeah. A pet. Do you want to hear a pet peeve? Go on then. Okay, and then we'll get into we'll we'll get into the meat. So, um, pet peeve of mine is when any uh, when a dad says to me, "I could never do what you do." So okay. if 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 someone says finds out I'm a stay at home dad and they'll laugh ho, 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 and say, "Oh, I can't even watch my kids for a weekend." Uh, I have to I have to really practice the yeah. gift of self-control um yeah swallow hard yeah i have to swallow hard take a deep breath and mm-hmm. uh, lovingly slap them across the face no i have to take a deep <laughs> yeah, breath right. and and you know because i think the thing that that bugs me about that is and it's kind of what we're talking about today is there's this misconception that somehow a dad doesn't have as much responsibility um for the raising of children as um as his spouse, as his yeah. as his partner, yeah. and um and that's what bugs me. And I'm like, when I held Zoe for that first time two weeks in, I had no idea what I'm doing. When most mums hold their newborn babies for the first time, they have no idea what they're doing. And yet, they do have some tools to help with feeding the child, which <laughs> do help a lot. I understand that, but in terms of the responsibilities of of loving. And taking care of that child. So that kind of leads in today. So we did a little bit of a kind of Bible overview of um, parenting. Uh, we looked up a bunch of verses. And it's funny, Andy, right now, instead of verses up on my screen, I have liturgical dancing. So <laughs> anyway, now I have. That's fine. Just read out a few of them. It's basically yeah, the same right. thing, parenting right. liturgical right. dancing. So what was really interesting is when you kind of looked at the gambit of verses in the Bible on parenting, there was two things that was clear. Um, well, actually, three things. The first thing was most of the instructions were to fathers. So most of the instructions about parenting were to fathers, to the leaders of the family. And remember that definition that Andy and I are using of leadership is that ultimate sacrificial leader, the servant leader that puts his wife and his kids before his own desires, dreams, status, all those things. So that was the first thing. And then the two things that were interesting is most of them were about discipleship and most of them were about discipline. So we're going to talk about discipleship, discipline, and then we're going to finish with maybe some Andy and James's do's and don'ts. Um, I can feel a kind of three, a 3D thing coming on there, James. Is that right? Yep, put on your 3D goggles and uh, yes. let's get started. So um, there's lots of verses. I'm going to read three verses about this idea about discipleship, uh, about discipling kids, and then we'll kind of talk about these. So the first one is in Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Titus 2, 7. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works and in your teaching show integrity and dignity. And then Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise. You'll bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So, yeah, so a lot of these verses, Andy, were about kind of instructing our kids and particularly instructing them in the way they should go, instructing them in what God has done. 
Um, so how do you think, how does this look like, do you think, in, in, in your family? Mm. Yeah, I think a lot of dads will be out there at the moment thinking, man, you know, I really want to, to try and raise my kids, you know, the ways of the Lord, that proverb is, is a really good one. And oh, the way to do that is I need to, you know, do some Sunday school with them. They need to be taught and we need materials and we need to do Bible studies and we need to have the kids doing their own quiet times and 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 we need to have James's sister, uh, you know, giving us those resources. And, and I, I need all of those things. But also those Bible verses were, were talking much more about the parents being an example as well, how you live out your your Christ following attitude in the way that you live. And so for us, something that I've really struggled with at the moment is trying to find those materials to do the kind of, you know, sit down and and let me teach you about faith. But the thing that our kids have received a lot of over the past few years is, is the experience of what it means to put your faith into action through the work of Revive. And so our kids, every single day, they are here in the house. They are exposed to other Christians, putting their faith into action, trying to show God's love to children who haven't really been loved before. And my kids have seen how that love can transform people's lives. And so they've seen the, the, the good stuff of kind of real world experiences. But they've also been exposed to the kind of bad side of things. They've seen kids who have been abused, kids whose other daddy did horrible things to, to, to them. And sometimes, obviously, we have to be a bit careful in, in, in how much they do know. Uh, but they have been perhaps exposed in ways in which perhaps other kids haven't been. Um, they haven't been sheltered by the kind of brokenness of this world and, and wrong things that can happen to children and why. And that brings up lots of questions, which is very interesting about, you know, they ask about why so-and-so's mummy um, wasn't a good mummy. Why is so-and-so's daddy not like you, daddy? So that brings up very real questions, which is how kids learn. And so it's been an interesting kind of discipleship. It's been a, much more about experience rather than the kind of old school, let's sit down, see what this Bible verse says and apply it to, to our lives type of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, no, that's super cool. That's super cool. I was thinking that it's one of the things that I've been thinking about recently is actually getting my kids experience and exposure to. Um, I think mm -hmm. that that part of discipleship is, is hard. Uh, I think yeah. um, we do a lot of, kind of the academic side of things here um we do mm. do like a ba a daily family devotional time uh, where we go through different books of the bible and we talk about it and we try and have honest conversations about those things uh, and i think that there are lots of resources as amy was talking about last week there's lots of resources out there uh, for people to access to do that kind of thing it's really easy to do the hardest thing is making it making it regular um yeah i would also say kind of the key thing that I've been trying to work on over the years and need to do better of too is is living out practically what it means to follow Jesus mm. and bringing the kids into that discussion into that conversation uh, so explaining why we do things um, mm, yeah. you know why don't we spend money on certain things why do we give money to certain things why do we have 
people over to our house all the time, even when the kids don't want them to go over to the house? You know, why do we uh, why do we do the things we do and try and explain that to them um, as a reason that was why Megan and I follow Jesus? These are some of the decisions that we make and why. Um, I also think trying to live out kind of our errors and mistakes in front of them, too. Um, yeah. And trying to show them how those things things practically work out. How does it what does it mean to practically follow Jesus when you're mm. arguing with someone? Um, how does yeah. that how does it look to resolve those those conflicts and things like that too? Yeah. It's funny, actually I've just put in this this little thing, which is kind of like a the catch twenty-two that has come up now. My kids keep on asking me, Daddy, do you love me? And I say, Of course I love you. And they say, Who do you love more? Jesus or me and I have to obviously I say well uh, you know I, I you know I, uh, <laughs> I love Jesus more and then they say yes I think I do as well I love Jesus more than I love you and it's a bit of it's it's a, it's a, it's, a it's a bit of a yeah it is a strange one you know Mike can ask that same question the other day um he asked a really good question I think that's the other thing I was going to say is encouraging kids to ask difficult questions and not shut them down and it's okay to yeah. say I don't know there are questions of faith that we just don't know so I encourage my kids not to believe what I say just take my word for it but actually ask questions for themselves so Mike can ask the great question the other day similar question he says I love God but it's easier to love you more um oh. and and I said oh why is that and he's like well because I see you and I, I see what you do. And it led to yeah. a really good conversation. We're talking about how we um, see God acting in different ways. But but ultimately, mm. it also led to a conversation, too, where we're talking about one of the ways in which we demonstrate our love for God is our love for others. So I said, mm. when you love dad well, when you love mom and dad, you're also loving God through that. Because God's asked you to honor your mother and father. So when you love us, you're being obedient to God. And one way yeah. you show that you love God is by being obedient to him. So, you know, so sometimes it's it's fantastic to see things through a kid's eyes. Sometimes we were reading the other day our kid devotional and it was mm. the story where Jesus is healing a blind man. But and a, a man that's blind and a man that's he can't speak um, and he can't hear. And it's I think it's all those three things. Anyway, I totally you'll know the story I'm talking about because Jesus picks up mud and he rubs mud in the guy's eyes and then yes. he spits on the guy's tongue. And it's like I always thought it's super weird. And I've seen lots of explanations about this. And it was talking in the thing the book about how Jesus uh was communicating with this man through a way that this man understands. This man can't hear mm. and he can't mm. see, but he can feel. So yeah. Jesus communicates with him in a way that mm. he understands. Because uh, there's no yeah, point yeah. Jesus speaking to him and saying, you're healed, because he can't hear. <laughs> so he, he, no. he is communicating with the man in a way that the man understands. Anyway, it was funny. It was just a little kid aside. And for the first time, I was like, oh, man, that totally makes wow. sense. Let's toss away <laughs> some of those big theological books. Uh, sometimes yeah. it's just right. understanding these things yeah. uh, as a child. Faith like a child. Yeah. That's what we need. So so that second D, Andy, I want to get into because mm. it's kind of a more difficult D to talk about. So a lot of these verses talk about discipline. 
Um, so I, I got to read some of these ones. Um, okay, so Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Proverbs 29, 17. Discipline your son and he will give rest. He will give delight to your heart. And then Hebrews 12. This one's a bit of a longer one. Hebrews 12, 7 to 11. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have, pa have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Mm. Besides this, we had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And then just mm. a, a counteracting verse to Psalm 108.13, as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear them. Just wanted to throw that one in at the end there, just because a lot of discipline. <laughs> And I think I think that, that you know the discipline and compassion kind of go together. But um, but yeah. discipline, Andy, yeah, it's it's oh, it's a tricky one, isn't it? It's a tricky one, and especially because I don't know about you and our listeners, but sometimes when I think of discipline, it's kind of like my mind automatically jumps to the kind of being hit by a cane. You know, it's the physical discipline. It's being beaten. You let me get my belt and beat you, boy. To let me discipline you. Yeah, and I suppose that's that's definitely not what, what we're talking about. <laughs> it's definitely not. Let's just make but that it, very yeah. clear. That is not exactly. what we're talking about. But I know exactly what you mean. My mind mm. first goes to when we talk about discipline of children, it goes to, um, yeah, it, my mind goes there to start off with. And then it starts coming back towards, you know, timeouts mm. and things like that, too. Yeah. But it's interesting as I was reading these verses, I started to think about more about discipline as in terms of an athlete of discipline mm, um yeah so you know there's this idea of when an athlete disciplines his body he is getting his body ready to compete in sport um mm. and there is kind of a discipline um that we have to have in our lives to to function uh, we discipline ourselves to get to work on time for example mm. um so I was also trying to think discipline, getting away from that kind of corporal punishment um, mm. that you were talking about and thinking of discipline as more disciplining a child as more of a training tool. Like yeah. we're trying to train, train the child up. Um, I exactly. helpful think someone once told me was we're not raising kids to be kids. We're raising kids to be adults. Um, right. Sometimes I think that's a helpful perspective. Yeah, I think it's all about. It, we're trying to focus on on building good character, on building good attitudes. And, and obviously kids, they will act like kids. And there is a time and a place to act like kids. Obviously, we want kids to be kids and to play and, and, to, and to enjoy their childhood. But then just like you say, you, we are also training them, disciplining them uh, for things in the future. And so when your kids have bad attitudes, they've got, you know, bad character traits, you are wanting to try and cut those away in the nicest way possible to try and form well-rounded, healthy, uh, uh, good character kids. 
the work that we do at Revive, we see the kind of results when children haven't been disciplined, they've been beaten, so they've been, you know, they've been kicked around when they perhaps haven't behaved, but they haven't been disciplined in the sense of, of trying to root out the bad attitudes uh, some of the kind of character traits. And so, you know, if you don't get them out fairly soon, they will grow through their teenage years. And so and so we've seen this is when so a child doesn't have any respect for anybody. So they don't respect other people, they don't respect themselves. And so these, so when we're talking about discipline, we're talking about trying to wield out those kind of traits quite early on when 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 they are kids just like proverbs said teach a trade train a child the way to go and you know when they're an adult they won't leave it um it's it's exactly that what we're doing james i need to ask you a question sure between you and megan who is the disciplinarian um i would say i'd say we're kind of equal um but because i'm more present uh, probably a lot of a lot of it, the day to day idea of discipline falls to me. Mm, yeah. Why? Why do you ask? <laughs> no, it, I, I, obviously, you know. Uh, well, I, I, I would say the same for me and Rosie. We are kind of. Uh, it's definitely an equal thing. I think Rosie is is quicker to uh to perhaps um shout shall we say shout <laughs> she's 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 quicker she's quicker to shout and uh you know really uh you know get on with the kids when they haven't done done stuff i'm you know for good or bad i'm a little bit more relaxed but my kids know that when daddy starts to you know get a bit angry, then that's serious. And I remember when I was little, I don't know whether this is the same for you, my mum was always, you know, on at me and my sister about stuff and, you know, kind of just got used to it. But if my dad ever started, you know, to speak firmly with me, it's like, oh my word, this is serious. I better listen to it. You know? <laughs> and I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, yeah, but, uh, uh, I, I don't know about that either. I don't know about that. Um, I, well, I just think, well, I think what's funny, and you're, you're touching on something that I was going to say, a lot of those verses as well is discipline is out of love. And I think when we're talking about discipline, you were talking about some of the abuse that the girls have suffered, all that, that's not discipline, that, that's out of anger and hate. Uh, discipline that's out of love leads to a healthy and good change. Um you know, and maybe this goes into our do's and don'ts a little bit, but I, you know, one thing that I'm still trying to work on, Andy, is 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 never discipline when you are angry. Angry. Um, yeah. So you know, I I totally understand. Sometimes our kids kids mess up. Sometimes they do things, and you're like, I have no idea why you did that. That was mean, or that was destructive. Um, and it's sometimes if you discipline out of anger, I don't think it ever leads to anything good or any kind of change to always yeah. taking time to cool down and, and discipline our love and think about I think the other thing as well is, is think about what what is it what is it that you 
are hoping to change and why why does that change need to be there so like for example if my child was being mean to another kid um which by the way would drive me to feel very cross let's be honest mm-hmm. um, yeah. once i have cooled down with that what 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 would the discipline look like what's it based in what's it rooted in why do i want him or her sorry i don't want to pick up my <laughs> why do i want him or her uh to be kind like what what is it why do i want him to be kind to to others um and then making the discipline come out of that place out of a love uh for my child to to grow in this and obviously you know as as a christian parent too it's really great to have a good understanding of of what jesus has asked us to do in following him so if jesus has asked us to love others then that's a great great jumping off point to really talk about what what does behavior look like you know what should it look like you know he hasn't just asked us to love the people that are nice to us he's asked us to love the people that are mean to us let's talk about that mm. you know yeah. what does it like to and hey you know what there's some great books and resources out there i encourage people if you haven't grab a couple of parenting books you won't agree with all of them it's always good to read to get some resources you know mm. uh, if you listen to andy andy and james you know we are we are struggling along in the dark just like you guys too i am a better dad yeah. than i was two years ago and hopefully in five six seven years i'll be a better dad still um, yeah. yeah so <laughs> like yeah like, like you said james it's w- when you are frustrated yeah never discipline your kids in, in in that way but it's so difficult because there's been times when when i've had to say sorry to my kids because you know we've had a quite stressful day there's other things going on which you know the kids don't need to 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 be involved in but you know your head's somewhere else and then suddenly your kid does something really mundane no you know nothing really bad about it but sometimes you just flip and and oh that he has to be so so careful it's really it really is a a, a tough one um, yeah. And I've had to apologize to my kids. It's like, well, man, Andy, completely that, overreacted. Andy, that's my first do. There we Good. go. This leads us nice into do's and don'ts. My first do, my big do is do apologize regularly to your children. Uh, I really well, encourage you as as dads and parents, when you make mistakes, own up to it and and apologize to your parents. It's it's really powerful. Um, you're demonstrating one that that you're not perfect, and you're also demonstrating that it that it's okay uh, to own your mistakes and errors. So apologizing to your children is humbling, um, but I think I think that's just an important part of leadership and demonstrating what it looks like to to apologize and own your mistakes. Mm. Yeah, that's a great first do, James. I think my first do is is do get involved. So get involved with your kids. Uh, James said earlier on, you know, it's it is not your wife or the pet or the kids' mum's responsibility to to raise the kids and to play with them. You know, as dads, we should definitely be completely involved with uh, with our kids, and especially if you are a dad to girls. Um, I've got two girls. James has got one. I think it's important as well uh, for dads to get involved with the girly stuff as well and i say this just because sometimes here in brazil there's quite a bit of a a culture that you know men you know your dad won't 
play dolls with the girl because that's a girly it's a girly thing and the man should be teaching her how to hunt because <laughs> that's the man thing um but i i say no get involved with the girly stuff and by girly stuff i mean playing girl uh, playing um playing dolls playing you know a playmobile marry you know have a sophia always wants to know do marriages now weddings with with her Playmobil and get involved with that stuff now because when your girls are older and they are facing the other girls stuff of of dating and boys then they will probably talk to you about it because you're involved in the girl stuff in the beginning but if you're not involved in the girl stuff now don't expect to be involved in the girl stuff when they're older. They'll <laughs> look for their mum. Yeah. And, and, and that's so, so, so the first do for Andy is, uh, is do get involved, especially in the girl stuff. Yeah. Uh, another do from James is do take care of your kids. Uh, give your wife a weekend away if you've never done that. I know it can be daunting. I know if you've never stayed at home with your kids before, it could be scary. Um, but you will get better at it the more you do. So mm. start off with an evening, move it to a day, and then get to a weekend too. There are a lot of dads out there that do this already. Good job. Give yourselves a pat on the back. Uh, but for mm. those of you that haven't done that, or if you're the kind of guy when you find out I'm a stay-at-home dad, you would say, oh, I could never do that then it's about time you manned up and did it. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and feel, feel being lovingly slapped. Lovingly <laughs> slapped. Yeah. Great do, James. I can already uh, imagine lots of, of mums replaying this bit of the pod to their, <laughs> their husbands and their dads saying, hey, you owe me a girly weekend away. Uh, this, the, last, the last do that Andy has, um, I think this is one, especially perhaps during the pandemic, you know, there's lots of, you know, kids haven't been at school a lot. And I think there's a real temptation to kind of, you know, we must focus on lots of academic stuff of getting the kids back academically. And, and perhaps a lot of the free time at the moment, you know, we're wanting to do times tables and reading and writing. And, and all of those things are, of course, really, really uh, important. But I think a big do here is is not is do focus on character and attitudes. And we spoke a little bit about that in disciplining of, of, of how are we forming our kids' characters and attitudes and perhaps not just focusing on their academic of whether they're able to recite their 12 times table, but actually using this time of, of being with our kids a lot more, either through homeschooling or through homeworking, uh, of working from home, of, of, of using that time to really delve into what kind of uh, young adults are your children becoming and focus on, on training their character and, and speaking into that and not just trying to catch up on, on, on schoolwork. That's a good don't, Andy. Uh, my don't is don't solo dad. Um, mm. Try and find other dads uh, to, to, to learn from, uh, to hang out with. Um, it's always good if you're going to go to the park, invite another dad along, bring the kids too. It's a good way of connecting uh, with other dads. Uh, mm -hmm. Connect yourself with some dads that have gone before you too, that maybe have older kids. Um, it's always good to have models um, to look to or people to ask advice from. Um, 
some of us had great dads growing up. Um, some of us, like me, my dad was absent growing up. My parents were divorced. Um, so sometimes you need to look uh, beyond your own experiences um, to see what it looks like to be a, a good dad. So don't mm. don't solo dad. Um, find find some of the dads to, to hang out with. Yeah, great don't, James. Um, yeah, my final don't is 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 a little bit of a silly one actually, but it's uh, it's don't take your kids' food away even if they've said they finished because <laughs> <laughs> because you are there. It's sure this happens all the time in our in our family. Kids are finished. I say, look, you've left some food on your plate. Are you sure you finished? It's yeah, yes, daddy, finished completely. Don't want any more. You know, I'm stuffed completely. Are you sure? Because I'm going to take it away. Yes, I'm sure. Take it away. Literally, a few minutes later, it's, Daddy, I'm hungry. Why did you take away my food? I want to eat it again. It's like, oh, my word. Always happens without fail. <laughs> I so, think yeah, I remember just... experiencing that when, when you brought the girls to visit us in California, actually. I think I, I, obviously you haven't, <laughs> yeah. learned, you haven't learned from your own don'ts yet. So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so there we go. So that was my final don't, James. I don't know if you've got, have you got another, have you got another my, one? I think my don't was a little bit related to what you were saying about engaging, especially in the girly stuff. And mine was don't, don't miss the opportunities. Uh, I think sometimes as, as dads, I understand it, we get tired. Uh, sometimes it's to be a sacrificial leader is to be inherently tired. Um, so don't miss those opportunities to spend time with your kids um, whether it's offering to coach their sports team I know right now I'm dreading this afternoon I have to coach Mike in the baseball team uh, I have a like 10 six to seven year old boys it's a bit of a nightmare um, but I keep having to remind myself that it's a great opportunity for my son to be with my son um, yeah. and to, you know there's a missional side to it too where I'm engaging with other families but but most importantly like my son enjoys having me around right now and it's a good opportunity mm. to be with him yeah. and also in the terms of that don't miss the opportunity I think sometimes I, I don't know what you're like Andy sometimes when I get tired it's really easy for me to say no and sometimes it's okay mm. to say no because you <laughs> need to rest but saying no or asking your kids not to do something just to make your life easier I think we really need to reflect on, on why we mm. Sometimes and sometimes I think yeah. you just need to say yes. You guys want to go out and ride bikes? Yeah, let's do that. You guys want to play a board mm. game? Yeah, sure. I think sometimes mm. just pushing ourselves, disciplining ourselves, just to go yeah. maybe that extra, just extra little bit and do and do mm. those things, engage with our kids means so yeah. much to them, and in the long run, it means so much to our relationship with our kids too. So yeah, yeah. don't yeah. don't miss That's the opportunity so to engage. Yeah. I'm afraid my my Sophia, my eldest, has got into a phase of of asking really deep questions, literally when I'm saying goodnight. So it's kind of like we're at the end of the day, you know, lights off, we've said the prayer, you know, tucked in, here's a kiss on the forehead, and it's like, Daddy, what is love? <laughs> and, it's, <laughs> and it's like, you know, it's a really brilliant questions, and it's like. Oh my word! You know, this is you know. I'm a, I want to go and watch my movie. I want to go and get some popcorn. It's it's daddy time now. And then suddenly, you know, my daughter suddenly comes out with these questions, and it's like, oh, you know. And sometimes I do sit there. We try and get into a discussion, but man, it's uh, it's a challenge and, sometimes. And sometimes you say, "Love is where you go to sleep, 
And then he gets a whiskey. Yeah, so, well, and sometimes, and sometimes it's been sometimes it's been practical. Sometimes it's writing down those questions and saying, "We will answer this question in the morning." So, uh, but uh, that's great. <laughs> Finished today. We we had quite a long chat about parenting there. So, um, but that there are some big changes coming up for Revive. Um, you've got a new job. I know that a lot of people that follow Revive either through the email, through the website, have probably seen uh, that some big changes are coming. Um, do you want to give people like a quick kind of one minute update on what's happening? Yeah, of course. So, so yeah, the, the news is out. I have been appointed uh, the new director for international mission for the Church Mission Society, which is a huge uh, mission organization uh, in the UK, uh, but is pretty global uh, through its, uh, uh, its set up lots of other organizations around the world. Um, so yeah, we'll be transitioning back to the UK uh, to take on that new role from September. Um, I think we'll do a, 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 a pod to, uh, to talk a lot more about it, but Revive will continue under local leaders here, which is really, really good. And Revive remains a kind of a CMS project. So even though we are leaving Revive here in Brazil, uh, Revive remains under my kind of remit as the director for international mission. So lots of good things to come. And uh, yeah, much more influence and opportunity to facilitate global mission uh, around the world. So that's been yeah. good fun. And we're hoping that through that position as well, we're going to get to interview some more different people uh, mm. who who are missionaries and working on different projects around the world too. So excited for those those opportunities. And and you'll be their boss, Andy. So they'll have to they'll have to deem to be interviewed. Yeah, they, 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 so. they, yeah, exactly. They'll they'll hey. have to accept our invitation. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. And next week we have an interview. And Andy, you're doing an interview this time. So yes, finally, I've decided I better get my finger out and actually do something for the pod as well, and not just let James uh, do all the work. So yeah, so next week we're going to be chatting to a friend of ours, uh, a girl called Kelly, and she is the founder of a project called the Graceful Warrior Project. So she has to be American with that name. And uh, she does a lot of good mission and disciple work, discipleship through self-defense, uh, training girls and women uh, to protect themselves. So that's awesome. going to be very interesting. Yeah, yeah, that will be interesting. Yeah. Good, good, good. Yeah. Looking forward yeah. to that one, Andy. Looking forward to it. And I'll have to affirm you uh, after you've done the interview Definitely. too and tell you what a good job you've done because uh, yes. you're always you Mr. Positive. Absolutely. So I'll, I'll have to do that for you too. Okay, well, I hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. Again, please get in touch with any questions, thoughts, comments, ideas, or people you want us to interview. We're, we're always open to all those things. And uh, yeah, we'll see you again on the Far Shore soon. Yeah, see you guys. Bye. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to get in contact with the show, you can email us at thefarshore at reviveinternational.net. To learn more about the work of Revive International, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or our website, revive-international.org. Please subscribe to keep track of new episodes. We look forward to you joining us on our next journey being called to the far shore.